What's up, you beautiful people, and welcome back to the Realistically Free Podcast. I am your host, Micah Roldan, and today I have a special guest, Anna Keller, who is a fellow podcaster over at the Freudian Sips Podcast. So definitely go check that out. All the links for her show will be listed within the show notes, and you can check out her and her mom as they discuss all things brain, bullshit, and what was the other one? I forgot the other beverages. One. Beverages. <laughs> beverages. So just I like to have a little drink while we talk about brains. Uh, you got to. So that's that's how you get through the day sometimes, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh Anna Keller is also a uh a counselor. So she's a therapist at a private practice. We're not gonna say who because we don't we don't do that here. You just have <laughs> you'll just have to take our word for it, okay? And uh she we're gonna talk about relationships and the LGBTQ plus or is it LGBTQ? I a plus. I usually say LGBTQ plus just okay. to kind of shorten it, but all right. Well, well, all we, are valid. We 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 put welcome all letters here. Yes, we're super inclusive here, and we're going to talk about relationships because something that comes up a lot in this on the podcast and even on my YouTube channel is you know how do I get over divorce or as a transgender man, you know I I went through divorce. I'm trying to get back in the dating scene. How do I do that? And I think the the bigger question when we're talking about divorce and and dating again, I think is really this that fear. I mean, I could be wrong, but the fear of, of finding someone new and, and starting all over again, as well as like just even processing and dealing with whatever you went through within that divorce. And so I have not been divorced. Um, knock on wood that I <laughs> that I will not get divorced. Baby, Let's if you're listening, keep it that way, please. If you're listening to this, babe, I love you. Don't divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I have not been divorced, so I don't. I try not to give too much advice on things that I don't have experience in and I don't have maybe like the clinical understanding or, you know, I, if I don't know about it, I don't want to try to talk about it. I'm not going to pretend to know about what it feels like or what what someone may be going through within their mind. So I said, hey, connected with Anna and she's going to talk about this stuff because she's the she's the expert. Uh, well, the expert in- <laughs> I know some things. She, she <laughs> knows. Not okay. Me here. okay. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> but she's the knowledgeable person in all things gay and trans and bi and lesbian and, and, and all of the queer stuff and the dating stuff. So, which is kind of hard because I think uh, we do have to make that distinction when we're talking about relationships, especially, you know, when we're talking about relationships, we have to get into the queer part of it, the trans right. part of it, because there are some little, there's some different things there to navigate versus uh, cisgender heterosexual couples that are dealing with things. I mean, there are going to be a lot of overlapping feelings and experiences like abandonment, rejection, you know, th- those are things that can be involved in that relationship, but maybe a, just a little bit more layers when we're talking about queer couples. And That's trans a good couples. way to say it. Like we are dealing with a lot of the same things that we might deal with in cis straight couples where we have to learn to communicate well with our partner. We have to learn like, you know, what, you know, preferences and boundaries and all that good stuff. But, but yeah, like you just said, there's going to be so many complicating factors when there's LGBTQ stuff involved that it can be hard to know how to talk about that stuff. And to not just to navigate it. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to ask the question and also listeners, just so, just as a side note, if you ever have a question that you'd like to ask me, you can go ahead and email me at realisticallyfreepodcast at gmail.com and ask your questions and I'll do my best to answer or get somebody who knows more shit than I do to answer for me. Because That's the key. If you don't yeah, know, you ask someone. If you That's don't it. know, ask. There are no such thing as stupid questions. So I'm going to ask the question that was asked to me. Maybe you can give some insight on it. And that question is, should, can I date like without 
air quotes, being completely healed. Can I date? Oh, what, that's hard. That's I feel like that. I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll give you some time to think because I saw the, the, the yeah. I saw the, the, the I <laughs> you saw, saw the, my thousand yard stare for yes, a second. Yeah. Yes, you had the, the lights were going off crazy in your eyes. It's like, OK, shit, let me help you out for a second. So my answer is I don't think that anyone is completely healed. I don't ding, think ding, ding. that's what I was just going to say, like saying that I have to wait to be completely healed to do anything. God, you're never going to do anything at all. <laughs> like healing is a process. It's always a process. Even when right. you feel better, you are still in the process of healing. So I think instead of saying like, well, you know, I have to wait until I'm completely healed. Instead, it's better to just look at it and be like, where are my boundaries? Where do I feel comfortable right now? You know, do I feel comfortable to enter into possibly a new relationship right now? Or is that too sensitive because I am still actively grieving? Mm, what do you mean by that? Let's let's I want to go a little bit more into that, like actively grieving. So is there a difference between like you were saying, not being necessarily or like you're healed maybe a little bit? Because I think like you mm -hmm. said, I agree healing is not a linear process exactly. at all. Yes. Uh, and I, and I actually believe that sometimes, and I could be completely wrong to the therapist here, that sometimes even getting into another relationship, maybe not like right away, but getting into another relationship in and of itself can be a part of the healing process. When mm -hmm. you start to, you know, have somebody there that you can like process some of those things with have a sounding yeah. board talk about certain things and now granted now like that's not going to look the same in every relationship because there are going to be some people who are going to be like i'm not dealing with this shit right should, i am i'm not your therapist i'm not going to help you with that yeah but i do think that there can be a level of healing even in, in finding love again well, right. and I think that even we kind of look at getting into a new relationship and even so let's say you are someone who is like, I am completely healed from my last relationship. I'm not gr grieving that that breakup or I'm not, you know, thinking about that all the time. Maybe you'll get into this new relationship and there are going to be triggers in there. So you could go into a relationship thinking you're completely healed and then thing new things pop up and you're like, mm. oh, no, I guess I'm not as OK as I thought I was. And then you have to learn to navigate that. So let me ask you this, then when what would you say uh, the what would you say it looks like? Like if we could give the audience something here to say, you know what? this is something to strive for, right? Or like, this is something I can, if I have maybe, you know, two, three things on this, if you had to give two, three things, there's like a checklist, if you will, of like, if I have these two or three things, I know that I'm past the grieving process and I'm ready to be in a new relationship or I'm, I'm, I'm almost ready to be in a new relationship. What would you say those two, three things are? Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of an analogy here because I'm going to know. Oh, I, lo I, lo I love analogies. <laughs> I love it. Go. Um, so when we talk about things like trauma and grief, um, one of the analogies I like is the quilt analogy. So think of everything that's ever happened in your life as being like a patch on this quilt. And then when we come to something that's traumatic, like a breakup or a divorce, the, the patch on that on that quilt is overstuffed. So like when you're running your hands over your life quilt, you're going to hit that patch and it's going to be a bump. So what we look at in like trauma work is we go in and we start taking out some of that stuffing and that's the processing. So that's the healing process. And so once you can kind of figuratively run your hands over that quilt and it's not a huge bump in the road, that's when it's like, okay, this is not actively affecting my life and changing how I'm looking at myself or the world. That's how I would say like a heel benchmark is, I would say. Mm, I like that. You're saying one can, it's almost like it's not a sore spot anymore. 
Right. Yeah. It's not an open wound. Okay. You know? the, another question I get a lot is how do I trust myself again? How do I trust myself again when going into a new relationship? How do I know I won't lose myself again in this mm -hmm. relationship? How do I know I, how do I know that I won't be picking at this person or, 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 you know, mm -hmm. almost looking for all of the similarities and comparing, sure. comparing this next person to my last person. And I, which I think you're always going to kind of compare in some sense, yeah, like there's it's always kind of human nature. And honestly, I don't think that's a terribly unhealthy thing. Cause like, especially if you are looking at a past relationship and saying, wow, that was not healthy, then yeah, it's okay to kind of look at what's going on in your current relationship and saying like, mm, well, that's kind of a red flag that was similar to what I experienced before. Like it's okay. As long as you're not like every single thing saying, how does this stack up? How does this stack up? And, and weighing it that way. Um, but, hmm. Well, now I've forgotten the question. Haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> the question was, how do I trust myself? Again? Oh, trust God. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge thing. I think not to, not to ha hammer this point home. I think everyone needs therapy. First of all, let me say that, but I, agree. I, I do agree. think that if, a huge part of learning to trust yourself is learning what happened in the last mm. situation. So to avoid repeating that, you need to be able to look very honestly and openly at where you were at in the last situation, what the unhealthy parts were, maybe your, your own unhealthy behaviors and reactions. So, you know, the only way that we're going to be able to stop things from happening in the future is being aware of how it happened in the past. Mm. And so I think to trust yourself, if you're not trusting yourself, you got to be able to look back at where you were before and say, okay, what was I doing back then that I wasn't trusting myself? And how can I change that behavior? Mm. Wow. You hit so many things on there. Have you, you made me think of this too. Have you ever seen the show married at first sight? Uh, I've heard of it. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't invested the, the time in it. Yeah. <laughs> it it was sounds watched. wild. It is. It, it's pretty fucking wild. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was watching it uh, a little bit before we got on the call today. And so I was, I was watching it and it was fascinating. I, I'm very big on like learning about people. <laughs> it I, does I swear seem to like God, a very interesting, like sociologist. <laughs> oh my God. I swear I should have been like a sociologist or like a therapist or a totally. psychoanalysis or something uh, with the mind. Dude, humans it, are fascinating. It, it's you. fucking fascinating. <laughs> and so anyway, I was watching one of the episodes and one of the, the counselors, he's a marriage counselor, um, but more from a, like a spiritual side, like he, mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's Christian. So he's like sure. a Christian, Christian counselor and stuff like that. Um, and so that's, that's how he does his counseling and stuff. But anyway, he had made the comment. There was this one woman on the show. I can't remember her name now, but you know, she's with the guy, whatever. And she kept kind of like air quotes, friend zoning, Oh. This guy, I kind of dislike the term friends. You can do that on a zone. show called Married at First Yes, Sight. Friend zone, that's an option. Apparently it was an option because that's what was happening. Um, <laughs> but even though I kind of dislike the term friend zone because I, I feel yeah. like it implies that you should I don't know. And it's about all. the like, oh, they owe me something. Yeah. Yes. The you, sure. owe, you owe me something thing. And I, I can't dive with that. Sure. But, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So anyway, so she was friend zone. That's the term they were using. So sure. that's what I'm using. They were friends in the friend zone. Right. And she's like, I want to take it to the next level. I want it. Like, he's my husband. I want to take it to the, the, the bedroom. You know, I want to be mm -hmm. intimate with him. I want to be sexual with him, but I'm, I'm not feeling the spark. I'm not feeling mm -hmm. the romance. I'm not, you know, I'm, 
and and she has some toxic ass views. I'm not even gonna lie, because she's like, he's not a manly man. He's too sensitive. He's not assertive <laughs> enough. It was a oh, lot of weird shit. Oh, oh gag. Oh, yes, gross. yes. Okay. It was a lot of weird shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, at some point or another, you know, she had brought up like, well, in my last relationship, you know, he's he's exhibiting some of the behaviors that did not work out in my last relationship. You know, mm-hmm. he's too. He's not assertive enough. He's not, you know, he's, he's too much. He's too laid back. He's too this. He's too that. And my, I, I tried to date someone that was kind of like this guy before. And that relationship ended pretty poorly because we had kind of the same issue of no chemistry. Like, sure. that's not what I'm into. It's not my vibe. And the counselor had made the, made the comment. Um, well, you have to let that go. You have oh. to let that, you have to let it, that go. It's easy as that. Yes. Thanks, he was, thanks counselor. He, he straight up was like, you have to let that go. You, uh, you need to it. stop that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Cool. Seriously, you, the thing you're doing, stop it. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> no, just don't do it anymore. No, but in all seriousness, he made the comment. He said, you got to let that go. You know, that that relationship is not this relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not giving this person a chance. And so anyway, when you were saying about it's good to kind of take an inventory essentially is what you were saying of your last relationship to see what those red flags are in this relationship. Um, Would you say kind of from a little bit of what I was explaining, would you say that that person maybe was not over the grieving process as you put it earlier to even get into another relationship? Cause she really did keep, she referenced that her last relationship over and over again, and not even in just Mm -hmm. that capacity, just like, even like she, like one of the, in one part, one of the episodes, uh, they had to kind of like to re they wanted the couples to like reconnect before, like before like decision day, which was basically decision day is after they've been together for eight weeks, they decide if they want to stay married or get divorced because they're legal. Like they all get legally married to each other. Like you're legally married to a stranger. Um, This is a, such a weird show to be talking about while we're talking about like, here's that I have a healthy relationship. <laughs> like, don't go on married at first sight. You're my first <laughs> Go do that. <laughs> but you know what? Which we could get into that too, if you want, because now you just made me see, you're, you're going to fuck me up. You made me go on a whole other train of thought. <laughs> okay, wait, no, but the question was like, is that person still in active grieving? I would say yes. Because to me, like active grieving, or maybe I, I don't even know if that's what you would want to call it or what she would want to call it, but it sounds like she is being actively triggered by things. And to me, that means eh, there's still stuff to work on here. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like there there's, especially when we have trauma and relational trauma is huge. Like there's going to be triggers, but it, it's not like when we go through therapy, we try to eliminate the triggers. It's like, we try to be manage aware it. of them and yeah, manage it. Exactly. Know how to react in a way that's not going to affect our lives negatively. So it's not like those things ever go away fully. It's It's that if you are so focused on it, that it's impeding your ability to say, be in a healthy relationship, to notice the green flags instead of the red flags, then I like that. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. Well, it sounds like that's what she was doing. She was saying, well, this is a red flag for my last one. This is a red flag from here. Instead of saying, what are the positive qualities about this person that are different from what I had then? Oh, yeah. I mean, at one point, there was one part of the episode or one episode where they had to like, you know, reconnect and, Mm -hmm. and kind of find that, you know try to help them make decisions about if they want to stay married or not. And they were like, you know, take this person to a place that's special to you. Um, that, that, you know, to be vulnerable with that person yeah, is basically that's a good what, way to what it was. Let them in a little. Right. She took this man to the park that she shared with her ex-boyfriend. Oh, honey. Oh, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. 
I mean, yeah. so that's, so that's why still I w- fresh, huh? That's that's if I were this person's clinician, that's what I'd be challenging them on. Like, this is still an active thing in your life. Mm. Like, do you feel ready to put that aside and focus on a new relationship? Because it doesn't sound like you are. Mm. Yeah. See, the, the, uh, God. But you know what? It's funny that you said, well, don't get on marriage at first sight. But you know how many what was it like uh, i don't know how many years ago where there were like arranged marriages and this still happens, oh, sure. even, happens and there's like speed in dating. other countries <laughs> we we do kind of think about like um speed over quality i guess <laughs> quantity yes. it's quantity quantity over, over quality quantity over so you quality. just need to get married as many times as possible and then you win You'll figure it out. It's like it's like the lottery. <laughs> if, you might, <laughs> if you get married enough times, eventually one of them will be good. Just, that's just statistics. It's probability, baby. <laughs> it's probability. You might you might you'll get lucky. You know, this you is might. science. This is just math. <laughs> <laughs> one in a hundred marriages is great. So get married a hundred times. I don't know. That's horrible. I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's horrible. Oh, God, I hope that's not a true statistic. What what is it like 50% of all marriages ended or 80% of all marriages ended in divorce? Uh, I don't think it's as high as 80. I've heard 50, but I think even that is um, lowering. But I think that that's because we are getting to a place in society where we don't like say marriage Marry. is a necessary thing. Yeah. Yeah. People are not getting married as often as they were mm-hmm. 10 years ago or right. 30 years ago, whatever. Yeah. Um, or they're waiting longer. I think that's a big factor too. So you know what? You just brought up a great point. Waiting longer. So, do you think there is a time frame after getting out of a, a divorce or breakup, or is there there's like a specified time somebody should wait before they start dating again? Oh, geez, I, I've heard I've heard people use numbers like, oh, you have to use like wait like a month for every like year you were in the relationship. But even that is so unrealistic. I mean, I've worked with people who were in very short relationships, but maybe the relationship was very intense or there was a lot of uh, relational trauma there. So it, it's, it, I don't think there's any time frame that's going to fit everyone. You know, I think it is so personal and so individual of what you went through, of how you as a person are dealing with it, you know, of, you know, the opportunities that you have to be in a new relationship. There's a lot of factors that go into it. What do you think some of the best ways are in processing or dealing with relationship break, like breakups? It doesn't have to necessarily just be divorce, but just breakups in general. Uh, therapy. Go to therapy. <laughs> Everyone go to therapy. Everything, everybody go to therapy. <laughs> everybody go to therapy. That's my, that's my number one pro tip. Everyone go to therapy. There you go, listeners. You got it. <laughs> you heard it here, you folks. You heard it here first. Go on to the therapy. Realistically Free Podcast. You heard it here first. Go the fuck to therapy. <laughs> Honestly, work through your shit, everyone. Our um, soul is dog shit. <laughs> Everything about us is fucking ugly. Go to therapy. Oh, that's not true. That's no, no. Not have true. you seen that? You never seen that movie, Bad Santa? No. <laughs> oh, God. He says it in there. He's like, your soul is dog shit. Everything about you is fucking ugly. <laughs> Man. Hey, especially if you have that, you go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go to therapy. Definitely. If you are the bad Santa, go to therapy. No, but in all seriousness, I know therapy is obvi- like it's probably the number one. Yeah, I that's think everyone one. can yes. benefit from it. But I do think that we and especially in the U.S., it's an accessibility oh, issue absolutely. as well, especially God. when we add in the layers of queer relationships mm-hmm. that, that adds a whole nother layer. There's a, a layer of shame, embarrassment, 
guilt, uh, um, you know, just lack I'm, of resources. Lack like of I, resources. I know there are people that I've worked with, like you, like you kind of mentioned earlier, I have a lot of LGBTQ clients. And I mean, a lot of them do bring up that point of just like, I don't know, even when I go to a clinician, I don't know how open I can be. And mm-hmm. that's a huge blockage to therapy. I mean, you need to be able to go into your therapist's office and be fully open and vulnerable. You're not going to get work done if you can't. Exactly. So that's why I ask, what are some steps that someone can take who maybe they maybe the goal for that person is therapy. And that's really like the end game of where they would like to see themselves. But it's, but it's just it's just not feasible in the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can always work on self-awareness kind of uh, on your own. Obviously, it's, it's you know, the ideal is to have a professional there, but there are things that you can do to just like, I mean, there's, you know, reflections that you can do. There's there's ways that you can challenge yourself. It's harder because it's harder to see past our own stuff. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of the benefits, one of the biggest benefits of having a professional there is just you have someone on the outside who's going, hmm, have you noticed that you do this or have you noticed that? that this is how this was. And then you kind of go, Oh, I haven't. Cause it's like when you're, um, when you're in a friendship and, and they're talking to you about stuff and, and you as the person on the outside is going, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh no. But they're having a really hard time seeing it because they're in it. Um, that's another thing I would say is, um, make sure you have a really strong support system you know, whatever that looks like. If you have a really supportive family, that's awesome. But I know a lot of people don't. I know, especially in the queer community, that can be hard. So make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up and be positive with you, but also be honest. I mean, you need people who sometimes will call you out on your shit. Oh yeah. That's something that uh, a lot of people don't like. No, <laughs> it's, no, a lot of people don't like, especially like you said, when you're in the thick of it, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, I can see how I'm doing that. Right. So if somebody else kind of calls you out on it, you're like, hey, you can, I think if it's done incorrectly, it could definitely uh, backfire in the sense of that person will just shut down and become defensive. Yeah, and, that is hard. And and close off and, and things like that. So uh, yeah, when we're, so you were saying self-awareness, mm-hmm. reflection, mm-hmm. having a strong support system, whether that's friends, family, you know, your cat, your dog, some, <laughs> sure. some, some Cats type and of dogs support are great, system. Great people to talk to. Let me tell yeah. You. Cause they don't talk back. Exactly. <laughs> they, they don't tell anybody. They don't talk back. They just let you talk. Perfect. They always have space for you. Yeah. They always Unconditional have space for love. You. That's really important. So let's kind of go, but now let's, let's say now we've got this, we've got this person or, you know, mm-hmm. we got this person. They're not in the active grieving process. They've mm-hmm. done some of the work, but maybe they're not all the way there yet. Sure. Where do you recommend that person go to start dating? How do they start to get into that dating process? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, again, I think that goes back to the comfort thing. Like, mm. I think a lot of people are, you know, obviously online dating is a huge part of our culture. I mean, I met my husband through online dating and I'm still married. So, hey, that worked out. You were but married like- at first sight. <laughs> You caught me. Oh no. <laughs> swi- what is it? Wait, did you swipe left or swipe right? I don't know which one is for I, accepting. I was, it wasn't on Tinder. So okay. there wasn't swiping. I don't, I'm, oh, I'm is too that old to for Tinder? there to be swiping when I was. Hmm? That's only on Tinder. Shows how much I know. It was okay Cupid back when that was a thing. I don't know if that's even still a thing anymore. So, hey, okay know. Cupid, that's a good one. Um, not, sure. <laughs> not sponsored by okay Cupid. But we could be though if they want to hey, if they, hey, they want to reach out. out. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, but like online Christian dating, mingling, <laughs> Christian singles. <laughs> Christian. 
Christian Mingle is a great place for queer people to go. Seriously, it, it, um, it might be. It might be. Sorry, maybe. Sorry, maybe we're even more inclusive than we're giving them credit. They might we're be. We're being judgmental here. I don't know. Um, I haven't been on there. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but like, I I think online dating it presents its its own set of of problems and of you know how how open can I be with this person if I don't even know if that's the person in the photos you know very hey, different. I don't want I don't want to hear that we got fucking cameras now video chat that's, some, that's that's yeah. rule number one if if you've never seen catfish I'll let you know if they don't video <laughs> exactly. chat you if they do oh not video God. chat you immediately it's like um I've been talking to this person for three years and they always say their camera's broken it's like dude yeah, <laughs> they're not real. It's, Sorry. it's not real. They're not real. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I think that's a big part, again, kind of when we're talking about the comfort thing and the trust thing, that's huge. So it does kind of depend on how comfortable you yourself feel with building that relationship over over the Internet, basically. Um, but then it kind of comes back to the safety idea, which is huge when we're talking about especially trans people dating mm-hmm. of that safety thing of like, um how can I be open about my identity, but still retain my not only emotional safety, but physical safety in some instances. Mm -hmm. So in some cases like that, doing the online thing gives you that level of space and removedness where you can say like, okay, this person doesn't know where I am. They don't know who I am. I can be open. And if they're going to react badly, I can shut it down and block them. Cool. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that feels much safer. Oh, I agree. That's that's kind of why I try to. I, I'm I'm more of an in person kind of guy. Yeah. I'm, I met my wife in in person. Like I I met it's her just in school. Easier to feel the chemistry and the vibe. It, yeah, person. but but also you know we're talking almost twelve years ago, and I was a woman at the time, and <laughs> so many things a, were different. <laughs> so many things were different. She was a lesbian. I mean, she's still a lesbian, but it's you a know, different time. <laughs> it was a different. I felt like an old man over here. I met my wife in person. And I was like, before the internet was a thing, before the internet was born, that was back in the MySpace days. We sent each other stone tablets. (laughs) I had a fucking bird that like sent her letters. I sent him homing pigeons. (laughs) Back in the olden days, we had to rely on homing pigeons. Yeah, yeah, seriously. No, but I I mean, you know, I'm not huge on the online dating, but I agree with Mm -hmm. you in that way that online dating can be a little bit in some ways safer, but in other ways also unsafe. It's like yeah. a double-edged I mean, sword. Exactly. That's a good way to say it because the thing that creates that safety is the anonymity, but the anonymity is also a huge block in feeling connected to that person. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to debate what's more important in the moment. Right, right. So what would be some of your, you know, some of your advice or some of your opinions or perspective on dating in real life? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now is a little difficult, difficult with the pandemic. There are yeah. still there are people who feel their different ways about it. We're not I'm, we're not here to, to argue those points. Um, not a I pandemic have, podcast. <laughs> this is not a pandemic podcast. Um, but if let's just, you know, in a in a, sure. a hypothetical world, if, yeah. if there wasn't a pandemic or maybe you're out there and maybe it's not a big deal to you, it should be, but, you know, um, and maybe it's not a big deal to you or, you know, you're vaccinated and you feel safe. Sure, to, yeah. Whatever Once the case may cool be. down, how does that look? Yeah. yeah. How does that look? What does that look like, especially when we're talking about queer people? Well, I mean, especially when we're talking about queer people, obviously, I would say number one is safety. So, I mean, like, make sure you're meeting in a public place. If you don't know the person, make sure that you, you know, have friends who know where you're at. If you really, you know, feel like you need that level of, of support there. So whatever 
is going to make you feel safe. Basically make sure you're doing that. Cause then if you're going into this situation and you're constantly on guard and worried, you're not going to be able to be open with them anyway. Mm, okay. So now that leads into this. Cause we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And now mm-hmm. I, I, you kind of brought this up, maybe think about it again. How do you deal with rejection? How do you deal mm-hmm. with rejection when dating or, and well, actually, I don't want to say, or I want to say, and, because I, I kind of want your perspective on both, on both points. How do you deal with rejection during the dating phase? How do you deal with rejection when you've already been married or mm-hmm. in a relationship and now you're going through that breakup? Right. As a transgender person, as a, or it can also be as a queer person, but you know, I, I'm just using transgender because I think that's, that's a real big right. um, conversation that we're having. And I, I think a lot of times we're not discussing that the real problem or the real root of the problem I say is rejection. Yeah. Not everything like is transphobic. Earlier, that fear thing, that, that just fear of how are they going to react? You know, even if they don't react like with, with, I mean, worst case scenario, violence or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, they, they might say that that's not for them. And then that can be kind of hard. I think, I think what I would point it back to, especially with, with trans people is the identity thing it is just like, okay, they are rejecting you for who you are. And that can kind of call into question, like how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, so that rejection thing can, can really throw us off what we, what we feel about ourselves, what we feel about the people around us. So it does kind of bring this up of what does that mean about me that they rejected me when mm-hmm. that might not even be true. Maybe they rejected you because they don't have the space to deal with that right now. Maybe they rejected you because they don't know what that looks like. And they're scared. I mean, you know, the fear goes both ways. So it's very, it's very difficult to, to know how to handle rejection well. Honestly, I don't know if there's a good way to handle rejection. Mm-hmm. I think there's bad ways for sure, but I, I think that it's going to be hard no matter what. And I think that's just a thing that we have to go into those situations saying, okay, this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge part of when we're talking about like anxiety and stuff, like going into a situation and knowing like, okay, like one of the things I work with my clients on is what's the best case scenario, what's the worst case scenario, and what's most likely to happen. And mm. do you feel like you can handle all of those? Do you feel like if any of those happen that you are capable of handling it? Like it just kind of gives you this sense of like, okay, no matter how this goes, I'm going to survive. I'm going to do okay. So you're saying that in a sense of dating. And I guess that could go in, in, in marriage. I mean, sure. probably you'd probably have to get a lot more deeper into that person's psyche at that point to really yeah. pinpoint what's going on. Um, so how, how, how would you do, you said that you couldn't give the good examples of how you would deal with it. What are some of the bad ways that people deal with rejection so that people can maybe look at that and say, as long as I'm not doing that, I'm, right. I, might, I might be on a better track. So you mentioned the, like, it's not necessarily transphobia thing. I think that is um, a really common thing to jump to when we've been rejected is we kind of hold that up as a shield. Like, well, it's ooh, them. It's, ooh. you know, it's, it's, they are transphobic and that's why they rejected me or they're homophobic and that's why they rejected me or it's, it's them. And it's a shortcoming of them. And then it can even go further where we generalize everyone. It's like, everyone's going to reject me and everyone's terrible. And it's like, okay, well, that's, <laughs> you know, that is, is, is casting a wide net. And we are, we are not necessarily, we cannot possibly sweeping generalize everyone because you got rejected by one person. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't let that change your view of the whole world. 
Oh, I love that. I love the way you, that you put that. Just because one person did that doesn't mean the entire world is going to no, do that. And just, I love that you said we use that thing. as a shield. Yeah. Because I, 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 I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly that sometimes we do use that as a shield so that we don't have to look at our own shit. Ding, ding, ding. We do that so we don't have to self-critique. Oh, this has been, oh my God. If y'all not like <laughs> Shemin and Aya, as you're listening to you this. Raise like, your hand like hallelujah. I was Ooh. like hallelujah. <laughs> I felt like Medea in this bitch. Hallelujah. <laughs> so now let's add in the layer when we're talking about that relationship, because obviously in the dating phase, well, maybe, let me not, let me not say obviously, but in the dating phase, you probably won't feel abandoned. You might mm-hmm. feel rejected, but you're not mm-hmm. going to feel abandoned. So right. if you're, but when you're married to someone or you're, you're actively in a relationship with someone who then, you know, maybe you're in a relationship and you're like me, you came out after the fact, or you came to that. Oh, that self-awareness after yeah, maybe the fact you didn't even know when you got in the relationship and that's really hard to kind of come to that realization so you get to that place and then you are rejected by your partner because mm-hmm. that's not something they want mm-hmm. um and also you go through a divorce or breakup because they have rejected you and they don't want to be with you because of your transition How, where does that person go from there um i think it in therapy <laughs> Honestly, I didn't want to shout that. So thank you. I saw it all over your face. I saw it. (laughs) It's like, um, (laughs) where's the nearest counselor? Go there. Um, no, I think an important thing to remember is that it's probably not like a personal attack, especially if it's like a marriage situation where you've been with this person for a long time and you trust this person. I don't think that they would be breaking up the marriage to hurt you or, you know, to punish you. It's probably more them. You know, sometimes we do have to look at this as like their reaction to me or their rejection of me. May it's about what's going on with me, sure, but it's not it's not because of me. Now that's not to say it's never our fault and we're never doing anything wrong. That's again going back to that self-critique thing, but it, it's it's probably more about them. You know, we, we go to this thing where we want our partners to be happy too. We want our partners to feel affirmed in their own identity and especially coming out as, as queer or trans can, can mess with that. And maybe the partner's not in a place where they feel equipped to handle that kind of change in themselves. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely something that I experienced um, in my own marriage is, mm-hmm. and I've saw, I've talked about that a lot with my, my wife identifies as a lesbian and that was a huge hurdle and I, I I a lot for a lot of the time that we were going through our when we were separated and then we were you know potentially going to be going through the process of divorce you know mm-hmm. I I internalized a lot of what was going on with her mm-hmm. yeah you know what I mean I internalized well, it was like oh that's unfortunate because we 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 do that we internalize when our partners are going through something that's actually part of being a good partner is we we want to be there with them and we want to understand what they're going through but like you said, where that becomes unhealthy is, oh, that means I'm doing something wrong. That means I'm, I, what I'm going through is invalid or any of that stuff. If we use that to invalidate ourselves, that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where I was in that, mm-hmm. you know, at that particular time in my life and in my transition, everything was so new. And I didn't have um, these types of conversations to like mm-hmm. kind of use as a reference point of like, well, maybe it's not me. Like, right. you know, it took a long time for us to kind of get to that place. And a lot of it was, and I got to say this too, a lot of it was, I wasn't listening to uh, her. Well, you were going through your own stuff. It's hard to step listening. back from that and be aware of how that's affecting them. 
exactly. And I was just like, oh, you know, you don't, you know, you don't accept me. You mm-hmm. don't love me. Like, how right. could you, how could you not, how could you accept not be me? supporting me? Yeah. How can you not support me? And then, you know, eventually we got to a place where I was like, you know what? I understand it hurts me because I mm-hmm. love you and I don't want to lose you, but I want you to be happy, even if it's not right. with me. Because I can't change, I can't change who I am and I can't Mm -hmm. expect you to change who you are. Right. And you know, what's crazy is when we got to that place, that's actually when we were able to fix our marriage. That was the breakthrough. That was the breakthrough because then I realized I don't have to change you. I don't have, you don't have to change the way that you identify to be with me. I don't have to change who I am for you to be with me because there really is nothing wrong with the other person. It's just all of these labels and all of these words and all these things, all these pressures of what, of what our relationship should look like versus what it is. Right. And that was the breakthrough. We have those really hard expectations, either from society or from our past relationships or whatever, where we can really hold our partners to unrealistic standards. And that's one of those times where we have to step back and say, are my standards unrealistic? You know, Mm. am I expecting this person to be totally cool with this huge change when that's not how that's going to look? That's unrealistic. I love that you said that. I love how you didn't immediately say that, well, you shouldn't have any expectations because mm-hmm. I do believe that there you have to have expectations <laughs> and you're gonna like, it's and you're impossible going to not. Yeah. And you're going to, but what's a realistic expectation to shoot for? Right. What's the middle ground? What's the, what's the boundary and what can I expect and how do we meet each other in the middle? And that, that compromise, that's a huge thing. I mean, like your expectations, no matter what they are, probably aren't going to be met a hundred percent, no matter what they are, even if they are realistic, you know, there's always going to be areas, especially in relationships where we do need to, to give and take. And that's where that communication comes in. That's where just like you said, listening to your partner and being aware of where they're at and how that meshes with where you're at. And maybe it, maybe it doesn't match. Unfortunately, you know, that's where some of those breakups happen or where some of that divorce happens where, gosh, we're just not in a place where we are giving each other what we need. It's maybe no one's fault. It's just timing's bad or I'm not in a good place or, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. Yes. Yes. And I think that's where communication is like a huge Absolutely. And I, and, and like what you said too, is well, what I got from what you said was sometimes you have to like detach a little bit from how you feel mm-hmm. not to yeah. not feel anything at all because that's unhealthy. Right. And but, not to invalidate your emotions, right. but we do have to remember that our emotions aren't fact. You know, mm. it's, that's not to say that you're not feeling them. You're absolutely feeling them and you have every right to feel them, but that doesn't necessarily reflect the reality of what's going on. That just means that maybe you have your own stuff that you're reacting to or your own past stuff that's coming up where that's driving some of those emotions. And it's maybe not an accurate reflection of what's actually happening. That's perception. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I think you actually just hit, uh, hit the nail on the head of basically what we're, what we're talking about when we say your truth or my truth yeah. or their truth. It's not necessary. It's not really a fact. No. But it is, but it's a perception and it's true to you. Right. Yeah. So it's fact to you. That is fact to you. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it it makes sense with what's going on. It could be that there's other stuff coming up at play, you know, or, or it could be that you are being very like defensive of what's going on because you are defensive of your identity. Totally understandably. So like, especially in the queer community, 
we've had to fight so hard just to be validated and acknowledged that there, there does come this kind of automatic defensiveness, like, oh, if you don't like me, you're again, it kind of comes back to that, like transphobic, like homophobic thing where, oh, it's because you don't like who I am, or you don't like that. I'm this, that's not necessarily true. It's the, it's the notion of, if you're not with me, you're against me. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's all or nothing. And that's not, that's not fair. That's not a healthy way to look at anything in life. So I know that we've been talking for a little over an hour. So I, I'm, I, I thank you so much for your time. But Absolutely. before before we 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 log off on this episode, is there any last words, quotes, or perspective, advice, opinions, emotional outburst that you'd like to leave? Emotional leave? outburst. <laughs> Don't give me that. <laughs> Don't give me that opportunity. Definitely um, go for it. If you got to scream, go for it. Just go let to me know. Therapy, that's kind of my biggest emotional outburst that I think I've had. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you that sometimes that is way easier said than done and there might not be resources, but I would say, look for resources in your area, look for, um, um, group opportunities or, or just like, um, social group opportunities. Like if, if there are, you know, even if it's a book club, I mean, dang, just that's going back to that support system thing just surround yourself with people who are going to be there in some capacity that you can lean on. I think that would be my biggest thing is just have people that you do trust, especially people like when you're, when you're in a relationship that can be kind of hard. Cause sometimes we get like tunnel vision in relationships, but mm. that's not healthy either. Make sure you do have people around you who are going to be able to be honest with you. Mm. Mic drop. That was I'm a not mic drop. My mic. I almost did it. And I was like, no, my baby. No. <laughs> that was a mic drop, though. But that, that was a mic drop. But like you said, and, and I wholeheartedly agree, there are resources out there. I have support groups out there through the YouTube channel, through this podcast. Awesome um, resources. You know, yes. there, there are online resources. Uh, there are um you know, you, if, I think what is it? Psychology today. Maybe, you know, about it. psychology today mm -hmm. that also provides resources like that. Yeah. Uh, there's psychology uh, today is a great way to find therapists in your area, especially okay. if you are struggling with the, um, the, the money thing, the financial thing, uh, look online for sliding scale therapists. There's hopefully someone in your area that's willing to work with you. I know I've had plenty of clients come to me, like even clients who I've seen for a long time. And they're like, well, my financial situation's changed. I mean, hopefully a therapist worth their salt is going to be like, I don't want that to be a barrier to therapy because therapists, mm. we know that it's a terrible system out there. We know the healthcare system sucks. So, you know, hopefully you'll be able to find a therapist who would be willing to work with you. Please don't let the financial thing be the only thing keeping you from that. I, I guess is, is what I would want to say about that. And also, are there any resources that you could recommend to the, to anyone who may be listening to this, who is a part of the queer community, um, who, Maybe it's not a financial barrier, but they're concerned about the inclusion barrier. Mm, that's big. Um, I would say find um, people within your, <laughs> what I respectfully call like my friend group, the gaggle of gays. Like uh, you, pro <laughs> you probably have queer people around you because we all kind of gravitate toward each other. Uh, so, so I would ask your friends. Ask your queer friends, like, do you go to therapy? And if so, like, who's your therapist? Do you like them? Do you trust them? Do you think they're open to this kind of thing? Like, do they handle this kind of situation? Well, have you heard of therapists that do like ask around? I mean, just word of mouth is a really great way to know who, who people feel comfortable with. So there's not a website. It's not like somebody could Google and be like, gay, um, affirming, uh, gay therapist. I think psychology today me. does have like, oh, I'm an LGBTQ therapist. Like I'm gay oh, affirming. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. Like, I think you can kind of tick some boxes and like filter out some people who, who like specifically say on their, on their sites and 
and stuff like that. But, but especially there will be people who, who say like, I am specifically like an LGBTQ affirming therapist or like, this is a safe space for that. So, so yeah, if that is something that you're worried about that inclusion thing, even that safety thing, if that's what you want to say it as like, you can look for people who specifically mention that. And don't be afraid. Like when you first call a therapist to be like, um, are you LGBTQ inclusive? And, and just like hold them accountable for that. And if they say, if they say yes, cool. If they say no, find someone else who is. Mm. So you heard it here first. Anna said, go to therapy. Yep. Psychology, psychology today, (laughs) psychologytoday.com. They're not a sponsor, but they should be. So you can book. Okay. You can sponsor us. Psychology today, sponsor us. Everyone. Come on. Yep. Yeah. What was the other one that we mentioned? Tinder. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Christian mingle. (laughs) Christian mingles. Um, okay, you can find Anna at uh, Freudian Sips podcast. All her socials and uh, emails and booking inquiries, all that good stuff, will be in the show notes. <laughs> Absolutely, as well as mine, realisticallyfreepodcast at gmail dot com. Thank Hit you so up. much for having me on. This was an awesome conversation. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. <laughs>